Welcome to the Medical Moments Podcast, brought to you by the Palm Beach Health Network. Each episode, we will bring you the latest health and wellness information to keep you and your family well. Now, here are the hosts of Medical Moments, Laura Albertini and Ryan Lieber. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the Medical Moments Podcast alongside Laura Albertini. I am Ryan Lieber, and this week we dive into the world of pediatric surgery, Laura, and we have a great surgeon on staff at the Palm Beach Children's Hospital at St. Mary's Medical Center and West Boca Medical Center is Dr. Avi Schlager, who's going to discuss hernias in children. That's right, Ryan. Um, Dr. Schlager is uh, one of the best pediatric surgeons that we have. And um, it's really interesting because, you know, usually when you think of hernias, you think that they occur in adults, um, maybe from lifting weights or pulling out their back. But um, he kind of tells us today that they're one of the most common um, injuries and common surgeries he sees in, in kids. Yeah. And I can speak from experience, Laura, because once upon a time, when I was a child, a very long time ago, I actually had a hernia and I remember going to get surgery for it when I was a little boy. So this is something that is uh, firsthand for me that I can obviously relate to. So here is our interview with Dr. Avi Schlager, pediatric surgeon on staff at West Boca Medical Center and the Palm Beach Children's Hospital. Dr. Schlager, welcome to the Medical Moments podcast and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what kind of surgeries you perform at West Boca Medical Center. Okay, so uh, my full name is Abraham Schlager, and I'm a pediatric surgeon. Uh, I trained uh, most of my time in New York, and then I completed my pediatric surgery training at uh, Emory in Atlanta. And uh, I've been working for a number of years now, first in Ohio and now in Florida. And... um, in pediatric surgery, we generally do a whole array of surgeries um, on many different age groups, ranging from the neonatal period, you know, just born, zero days of age, up till about maybe 18, um, which spans all the adolescent diseases as well. And um, unlike many of the other surgical fields, we still operate on most of uh, the different areas of the body, including the chest, the abdomen, um, neck, and pelvis. And so it brings us to a kind of a wide array of surgical procedures. So Dr. Schlager, as you mentioned, you know, you're a pediatric general surgeon and you're on staff at, at two of our hospitals. So one is West Boca Medical Center and the other one is Palm Beach Children's Hospital. Um, and today you kind of wanted to talk about a specific topic, which is recognizing and caring for hernias in children. And now um, I know that I usually think of hernias you know, when maybe you're lifting weights or you, you pull out your back as an adult. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't really associate children lifting weights or, or pulling out, uh, their, their backs, but, um, I I think this is a pretty common issue with kids. Um, so how, how do they develop at such a young age within kids? Sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, as you had mentioned, I, uh, I have privileges and I work at both uh, West Boca Medical Center and St. Mary's Hospital, which uh, together are kind of the Palm Beach Children's Network. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's a really good point because one of the things that I think is most confusing for parents and the public in general is, is that hernias are all about 
the defect, namely an opening in the musculature rather than about the bulge. So um, in babies, uh, which is the most common age for hernias to occur, the hernias are as a result of a tunnel which used to exist for in boys, they carry the testicles, which start off in the belly down to the scrotum. Um, and generally after that traveling happens, these tunnels close. So the inguinal canal is this tunnel, which is supposed to close um, in all babies, but in a large number, uh, a lot of them don't close and that's what the hernia is. And so it's just an opening. And when the babies do things like cough or push or anything that increases their abdominal pressure, they'll oftentimes pull or push some of the abdominal contents down this tunnel, and that'll manifest as a bulge. Um, the hernias that we see in adults, sometimes they've just had them all their lives and therefore the tunnel's still open, but many times those are acquired hernias. And people can acquire them by, just like what you mentioned, muscular strain from heavy lifting and things like that, and that's a little different. That's kind of a muscular defect or a weakness that you kind of create over time. So this hits home for me, Dr. Schlager, because I was a uh, seven-year-old boy when I was diagnosed with double hernia as a child, and that was a surgery that I had to have. So I'm familiar with it. So I'll ask you, how common are surgeries in children, and are there different types that affect different areas of the body, uh, such as a double hernia, like what I had when I was a little kid? Right. No, so that's a great question. So the truth is there are, um, there are primarily three different types of hernias. Um, there's the belly button hernias, which we call umbilical hernias. There's um, something that I refer to as epigastric hernias, which I just generally refer to any kind of small bulge or defect that is located somewhere above the belly button. People also call them ventral hernias, which pretty much just means that it happens on the front side. Um, and then finally, there's inguinal hernias, which you described. Um, let's start with that since, uh, since, you know, you have an experience to correlate with it. So, um, inguinal hernias probably happen, um, in about one to 5% of all newborns, but they particularly happen in the near, in the premature babies. And in those age groups, they can really occur almost up to 10%. And ironically, the younger and the smaller the babies are born, the more likely that they're going to have an inguinal hernia. So we do a fair number of inguinal hernia repairs on neonatal babies that are still in the ICU soon after birth. Um, so they occur pretty commonly. Over time, the number drops. So as you get older, there's less of a chance that you have it because most of the time, if you're born with these hernias, you'd imagine that most of the time they're picked up before the age of 10, 11, 12. But the truth is sometimes we see them in those ages because of all the defect there no bulge was ever created because the hole wasn't big enough to push something through it until that age. But, you know, we'll repair them sort of up to any, you know, any of those ages. Um, nowadays, with the benefit of laparoscopy, we actually, uh, double hernias end up being pretty much just as straightforward as single hernias because we put a scope in the belly button and we can view both sides at once and we can way. So it actually... Um, makes it a pretty um, more of a one-step procedure than two separate surgeries. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, and so what are the symptoms that, you know, parents should be look be on the lookout for, you know, if, if their kids might be experiencing or? So uh, great question. The um, general 
the general symptoms that people come into is really just a bulge. It's kind of seen in the lower groin. Um, in, uh, in boys, it oftentimes can go into the scrotum, kind of making one testicle look bigger than the other, uh, and, or just above that area, usually on one side or the other. It's generally not in the middle. And girls also in the same general region. And it's really just manifested as a bulge. As I tell patients all the time, the only thing that's worrisome about hernias are when they get stuck. If they're not stuck, a lot of times we'll see patients who have hernias and we don't rush them to the emergency room or the operating room. As long as they're reducible, which means that they'll go back in, then nothing is getting damaged. There's just an opening that needs to be closed. Um, so every once in a while, the, we, we see patients who come in with a bulge, but a bulge that's been stuck there for a couple of hours and won't reduce. And what happens is that once it starts getting swollen, it kind of keeps on getting swollen and then it re it's really stuck. And in those situations, we kind of have to go to the operating room then and there. Um, we generally like to do them in a more scheduled fashion, but every once in a while, they come in stuck like that. In the extreme cases, every once in a while, a baby can manifest with obstruction, which means that because their intestines got stuck inside that bulge, their belly will get filled up with air because it's almost like a garden hose. If, if things can't pass forward, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger and kind of, you know, eventually make the belly extremely big. And then they'll start vomiting. Um, they'll have a very big and distended belly and they'll be extremely uncomfortable. Um, but those are the more extreme cases that we'll see every once in a while. For most patients, they come in with a bulge that was noticed oftentimes soon after getting out of a bath um, that increases when they push either because of uh, constipation or coughing. And uh, it's just a bulge that's seen. And as far as treatment goes, is it always going to be treated surgically or are there some times where you can treat it non-surgically? So for inguinal hernias, the ones in the groin, those are always treated surgically. Because unlike the other types of hernias, those have a higher risk of what we call incarceration, which basically means just of getting stuck. So because there's a real risk of having further complications like the intestine getting stuck and every once in a while, you know, dying off because it's getting squeezed so badly, um, we always recommend surgical repair for inguinal hernias, whether it be an open repair or a laparoscopic repair. But either way, the hole or the defect really does need to be closed. They don't need to be closed that day, but we generally recommend trying to get it in over the next couple of weeks. Um, oftentimes in babies in the NICU, we try to get the surgery done before they go home because there's a higher rate of parents having to bring children in with emergencies when you wait even six weeks uh, to do the surgery. And that's just because neonatal babies have a much higher rate of hernias and therefore they're going to, we're going to see a much higher rate of incarcerations as well. We'll be right back with Dr. Avi Schlager after this. Hey Ryan, did you know that West Boca Medical Center has a team that provides specialized medical care just for kids? From preemies to teens, pediatrics at West Boca Medical Center provides care for kids all in one convenient, comfortable location. That's right, Laura. With more than 80 pediatric specialists, a 24-7 pediatric emergency room, pediatric hospitalists for inpatient stays, a pediatric intensive care unit, outpatient pediatric therapy center, 
and a kid-friendly diagnostic imaging center, we are prepared to provide your child with the care they need. To find a physician or for more information about our services, visit www.westbocamedctr.com. And now back to our interview with Dr. Avi Schlager. Dr. Schlager, could you tell us a little bit more about umbilical hernias? Uh, sure. So umbilical hernias are a little bit different than, um, than inguinal hernias. Umbilical hernias are super common, probably in the range of uh, 20%. And um, the major difference with umbilical hernias is that it's extremely rare for them to get stuck. And so when we see umbilical hernias in young kids, we'll often tell them that as long as it's never gotten stuck before, they can just go home, not worry about it, and um, come back at age about three and a half and four, because the majority of these hernias, especially the small ones, will actually close on their own. And so oftentimes they can avoid a surgery completely. Now in the rare the patient has to come to the emergency room because they have a bulge that's stuck in their belly button from an umbilical hernia. Those are the ones that we'd repair before that age. Um, and sometimes when we're doing surgery for other reasons, we'll also repair the belly button while we're doing it. But for the most part, any patient who we see that's really under age four, we kind of tell them to kind of come back and, you know, sometime around the age of four and see if it's still open. Because on honestly, a lot of the times it closes on its own. So for the patients that do need surgery, um, what can parents expect, you know, on the day of surgery? Great question. So, so unlike in adults, children handle these surgeries far, far better than you or I would. Um, because we can make the incision small, generally, you know, that helps. We don't put mesh in children, and that helps as well as far as things of size of incision and pain. Um, beyond that, generally, if we schedule the patient from the clinic, they'll come in that day, usually about an hour to an hour and a half before surgery, um, oftentimes they don't even need to get an IV before surgery because they can, um, the anesthesiologists are really good about gentle anesthesia and just having them have a little medication and fall asleep and put the IV and anything that's potentially painful in after the child is asleep. Um, after the baby's asleep, then we do the surgery. I generally do it laparoscopically because it allows me to look at both sides. So if they come in for one bulge, but I see that the other side is open, then I can repair them both at the same time. The surgery itself usually takes a little under an hour for one side and maybe about 10, 15 minutes more for the other side um, because most of the setup is already complete just to do the other side. Um, and then after that, they'll spend maybe about an hour to an hour and a half in recovery. And the truth is they're, they're home a little later on that day with only requiring ibuprofen and Tylenol for pain. Um, parents usually ask me how the kids are going to feel the next day. And the truth is maybe they'll be a little bit sore the next day, but after two days, they generally have forgotten about it. So, uh, as I said, as far as, but if you or I were to have this kind of surgery, we'd probably be in bed for a couple of days. Yeah. So that kind of leads me up to my next question. What does the recovery time for kids normally look like? And, uh, how stressful is it for the parents when they have to kind of take care of their child once the surgery is done? So the truth is, the most stressful time for the parent is right before the surgery. And that's just because of, of all the different worries of, of the unknown and sort of the, the loss of control 
for that hour. But afterwards, it's generally pretty smooth sailing, maybe a little discomfort. And uh, Motrin and Tylenol for maybe 48 hours. They generally don't require any narcotics. And um, they're generally feeling fine, you know, by two days out. And even the next day, they're probably just less likely to get out of bed. And a lot of boys' children are smarter than us, too, because when things hurt them, they don't push it. If their leg hurts, they don't usually try to walk on it. So generally, the next day will be a relatively slow day. But uh, by two days out, they're generally feeling fine. And because these aren't muscular hernias, like the adult hernias from lifting weights, there's no restrictions. They're allowed to run, jump, play, and we're not worried about recurrences. The recurrence rate for these types of repairs are probably under 2%. So any surgery has always has some level of recurrence rate, but the recurrence rates are really, really low for these surgeries. And we generally, in younger kids, don't worry about activity. So I will we'll leave it with this last question, um, which we kind of ask all of our guests. And so why, you know, especially kind of as a general surgeon on staff at, at two of our facilities, um, why do you think that, you know, parents should seek medical care for their children at the Palm Beach Health Network? So parents should seek help uh, for the children at the Palm Beach Health Network, which includes St. Mary's Hospital and West Boca Medical Center, because... They've really accumulated all the necessary specialists in order to perform complete care on, on the pediatric patient. So in both facilities, we have pediatric anesthesiologists um, and a lot of nursing care, which focuses on uh, child sensitivity and sort of the least traumatic approach to both the pre and post-operative uh, care. So um, additionally, for any kind of potential other issues that may be coming up, as I said, most of the specialists are present uh, and available at both these medical centers. And they have a long history of taking care of healthy kids, but also really sick kids. So there's a wealth of experience there. And between the two, you know, in the county, neither of the facilities are really more than probably 20 to 25 minutes away. Dr. Schlager, is there anything else you would like to make sure the listeners know before we let you go today? Um, I would say that as scary as it is to um, have to bring your child in for a possible surgery, the one thing to know is that taking care of this in sort of a calm, controlled manner is much, much, much less traumatic for both the parent and the child than having to deal with these things on an emergent basis. Hernias generally are not a big deal, but they're generally not a big deal because most of the ones we see, we can do electively and we can plan and we can discuss. But when patients come in with hernias which are stuck, things get a little more, bit more dramatic and then parents have to sort of accumulate a lot of information all at once and kind of a more... And time really isn't on our side as much. When we kind of do it in a calm, controlled fashion, hernias are a one-day deal. You know, patients come in in the morning, they leave later on that day with sort of a, with a, with, with very little discomfort for the children afterwards. And they're common. It's important to know that, you know, we see this a lot, so it's one of the most common surgeries we do. All these hernias are really just about the opening or the defects. So umbilical hernia is just an opening in the belly button itself or just below or above it. Um, and so the symptoms will be the same. It'll be a bulge over there that will oftentimes be painful. It will be hard to reduce when it gets stuck. And if left and not managed, it can cause 
the intestines to get blocked up and the belly to get big. And then the child would start vomiting. Um, but because that's so rare for it to happen in belly buttons and because so many of these will close on their own, we generally don't electively repair these until about age four. If usually if it hasn't closed by age four, it's going to need to be closed surgically. The other point to make is that the reason why we do close them is, first of all, it's a lot easier to close them at age four or five compared to 10, because by that time, patients have accumulated a lot thicker muscle and a lot thicker fat, so it becomes more of a surgery. But the truth of the matter is, beyond that, the reason why you want to close them after you already see that it's not closing on their own is because as the patient gets bigger and stronger, they're also going to push harder. And eventually, this hernia is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Because you can imagine sort of someone pushing with a lot of pressure through a hole, the hole is just going to keep on expanding. So once it's not going to close on its own, it makes sense to close it at its smallest possible point. And again, our thanks to Dr. Avi Schlager for joining us here on today's program. Really interesting, Lauren. As you said at the top of the show, you didn't realize that hernias happen to small children or babies that you just assume it's something that happens in adults because of lifting heavy weights. But obviously, it is very common in kids, and we're seeing it across the board. And it's nice to see that there are newer procedures in place that give kids even a quicker recovery than there was even years ago when I had the procedure done. Yeah, you know, he, he explained the difference um, between the two and kind of how hernias and kids are kind of just kind of like an opening that kids are born with versus the ones that we create on ourselves as adults are kind of more muscle issues. Um, and, you know, he, I feel like he helps the parents that were listening, have some sort of reassurance that it's a very common surgery that kids are super resilient. Um, so to not be, you know, fearful or, or scared, um, you know, to take their kids to the doctor if they're experiencing any symptoms um, and, and to get their kids checked. Very common and, and very easy to fix. Well, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Medical Moments podcast. Once again, our thanks to Dr. Schlager for joining us on today's episode. For Laura, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one. That's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to go where podcasts are available to rate and leave a review. Also, tell a friend about our show and don't miss our next episode. For more valuable information, visit our website at palmbeachhealthnetwork.com and visit our social media sites to learn more about local events and happenings at our five hospitals. Thanks for tuning in to Medical Moments, a podcast brought to you by the Palm Beach Health Network, a community built on care.